Thomas Lewis, Fari Amini, and Richard Lennon, The Archimedes Principle, How We Sense the Inner World of Other Hearts from a General Theory of Love. You probably know that the brain has different parts that perform different functions, and you've probably heard about the left brain and the right brain, or about the brain stem, hypothalamus, or neocortex. But have you ever heard of the triune brain, the theory of the brain that divides the brain into three different brains? And if you have, have you ever wondered what that might have to do with love or your emotions? The triune brain was originally proposed by the neuroevolutionist Paul McLean, who argued that the human brain is actually three distinct subbrains produced during different evolutionary periods. The reptilian brain, which controls vital functions and is set on survival. The limbic brain, which is the seat of our emotions, and the neocortical brain, which is responsible for language, reason, and other high-order cognitive functions. We tend to think of evolution as a slow, progressive development, gradual adaptation to the environment, where one development builds on a prior development. However, based on fossil records and other genetic evidence, evolutionary theorists do not think of evolution in these terms. Lewis, Amini, and Lenin put it in this way, quote, Evolution is a wandering process wherein multiple simultaneous influences, including chance and circumstance, shape biological structures over eons. A more capricious designer than any committee, evolution is a story full of starts, setbacks, compromises, and blind alleys, as generations of organisms adapt to fluctuating conditions. Rather than a series of smooth transitions, the evolutionary process is punctuated with bursts of metamorphosis. In an environment shifts, if an environment shifts fast enough or a favor, favorable mutation arises, organismic modifications can explode into being, end quote. The property and functions and even chemistries of the three separate subbrains are the product of three different evolutionary periods in which our ancient ancestors' brains burst into existence in response to very different conditions. The implication is that the three brains can communicate and work in close proximity, but a lot of information gets lost in translation and may respond differently to different situations. Sound confusing? Well, that's the point. The neural systems that govern emotion and intellect are separate systems serving separate functions. The lack of a homogenous brain is bound to cause some trouble, especially when it comes to love. The theory of the triune brain is at the heart of Lewis Amini and Lynn's investigation of the trials and tribulations of the human heart and a general theory of love from which the selection in your book was republished. Archimedes' principle, how we sense the inner world of other hearts. This chapter from a general theory of love seeks to rescue the meaning and significance of our emotionality from a culture and tradition that continually denies its importance and validity. Western societies have long privileged analytic thinking over feeling, distrusting and excluding the latter as any means to truth. Lewis et al., however, demonstrate the pervasiveness of emotions. Emotions are, they say, at the root of everything we do, the unquenchable origin of every act more complicated than a reflex, even the most desiccated neocortical abstractions pulse with an emotional core. The denial of our emotional nature, they say, is a costly practice that obstructs happiness and misleads people about the nature and significance of their lives. The chapter is divided into four sections, the secret society of mammals, an emotional epic, finishing touches, and a resounding success. Study of the emotions has revealed that expressions of emotions are universal. 
In his expressions of the emotions in man and animal, Darwin categorized universal emotional expressions across species and cultures. Darwin theorized that emotions and their expressions gave a species a biological advantage by enhancing their survival. Darwin's work was largely ignored until the middle of the 20th century when scientists Paul Ekman and Carol Izzard confirmed Darwin's finding. Ekman and Izzard both discovered independently that facial expressions all over the world are identical. Culture does not determine facial expressions. Facial expressions that convey, convey emotion are a universal language. Emotional expressions are communicative and more so than we may realize. If you've ever tried to hide an emotional state from someone who knows you and is any way attentive to you, you know that you really can't. Or consider how your mood is affected by the moods of others. A cranky person will eventually wear you down no matter how hard you fight it. Or if you ever had a long, drawn out, tense conflict with someone, sometimes simply signaling to the other person that they are loved and safe in some seemingly banal way makes the tension melt away. An emotional epic. There is no state of being devoid of mood. Our lives are awash in them. The authors say, quote, dream delivers us to dream and there is no end to illusion. Life is a train of moods like a string of beads, and as we pass through them, they prove to be many colored lenses which paint the world their own hue. Temperament is the iron wire on which the beads are strung. That was actually a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, but requoted by the authors in the text. The first and oldest brain is the reptilian brain, which is the bulbous end of the spinal cord. This brainstem is a control center for vital functioning like breathing, the heart, your heartbeat, and basic reflexes, and it's designed for survival. The rudimentary social functioning of the reptilian brain includes aggression, ter territorialization, and mating. The reptilian brain is the brain set on survival. Many social and interpersonal conflicts are products of the reptilian brain, always on high alert. The rudimentary beginnings of emotional life are rooted here in the most primordial emotion, fear which Lewis and the other authors call an elaboration of the primordial reptilian startle. The gulf separating the brain stem or reptilian brain from its partners is evident when we consider how hard it is to calm our fears, even when we know there's nothing to be afraid of. Think of that creeping feeling you had as a kid, that something was in the water when you were alone in the deep end of the pool, or the feeling that something is coming up behind you when you were home alone after watching a horror movie. Once the reptilian brain is stimulated, it's hard to calm it down. Our thoughts can catapult our reptilian brain into a highly anxious state, while at the same time can do very little to calm us down afterwards. When you need to try to calm yourself down in a stressful situation, your thoughts do very little. The best strategy is sometimes what we learn from practices like meditation and yoga and highly trained crisis prevention experts. Breathe and count. In through the nose, to the count of six, and out through the nose, through the count of six. The second brain, which wraps the first, is the limbic brain, limbic brain, which is a brain structure shared by all mammals. Limbic is from the Latin limbus for edge, margin, or border. The neuroanatomist who discovered it in the late 19th century noted a distinctive line demarcating this part of the brain from the rest of it. It wraps around the reptilian brain and is the seat of emotions. The third, most recent brain is the neocortical brain, which is responsible for higher order cognitive processes like language, logic, and math. Finishing touches. The neocortical brain, the third brain, is responsible for higher order cognitive processes like language, 
logic, and mathematics. It intermingles and communicates with the limbic brain, but vast amounts of information is lost in translation. This is starkly evident when we consider the miscommunications that happen daily via digital communication technologies. In purely text-based communication, what is lost is called prosody. Prosody is the way in which the abstract, empty symbolism of language is inflected with emotion and thereby its meaning. Modern readers might chuckle at the author's analysis of emoticons. While serious brain research remains relevant and timely for decades, writing about technology to demonstrate its significance can quickly be dated. And this article is from 2000, um, when we didn't have a vast array of emoticons and other digital means for relating emotional meanings. And the reference to technologists working on making something like video chat or FaceTime possible, our authors aren't even sure what to call this yet, also rings strange to a modern reader. But we can update these references and understand the point. The sheer mountain of emoticons testifies, or emojis is what we call them now, testifies to our reliance on them to convey meaning. A simple smiley face can make a short message feel warm all of a sudden. And our current reliance on video conferencing makes subtle emotional connections possible across continents, while at the same time reminds us of its, reminds us of its limitations. A resounding success. Because of our limbic brain, we can resonate with others. Limbic resonance is, quote, a symphony of mutual exchange and internal adaptation, whereby two mammals become attended to each other's inner states. Emotionality is a common language prior to and more complex than speech, and deeply emotional relationships can develop between mammals with very little neocortical brain development. Infants focus on facial expressions to learn about the world and communicate with their caregivers, developing intimate emotional bonds. Other mammals do the same. Dogs understand human emotional states and respond accordingly and vice versa. Limbic resonance allows us to affect and to read one another's emotional states. And it is the heart of that effective emotion we, emotion we call love, more ancient than reason or speech.